This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. You may wish to adjust the dial. You are currently tuned into the wrong station. When Fado worked, the troubling dreams, if they were dreams, seemed to vanish. So Fado, the greatest torturer in the Holy Searchers, worked as much as he could. He cranked the wheel and listened carefully to the screams as they echoed from the stone walls. Over his years of service, and on thinking the word service, Fado once again touched the chain Yes, over his years of service he had learned to read the hidden language of screams. There was a scream for anger and for mercy, yes, but there were also yelps and howls that would guide a patient man towards exactly which variety of force or false promise would unlock the truth. Fado's fluency in this language afforded him much leeway within the holy searchers, the plots he had uncovered a seditious flare-up within the Emperor's own court, the peasant uprisings, had proven his loyalty beyond a shadow of a doubt. He now worked high above the city beneath the embossed purple dome of the silent tower. Rip, peel, puncture, wrench, boil, burn. Fado cranked the wheel once more, and the screams grew ragged like flags in a storm. He leaned toward the twisted, howling face trapped between two blocks of wood. He listened more closely. This suspected rebel did have something precious and secret, yes, but it would not come out before death. Fado stepped over to where the tower overlooked the city. A breeze trickled in through the open windows, glancing off the hair on Fado's neck. That was nice, he thought. It was too hot today. He stood there a moment longer than necessary, thinking back on the woman at the cafe, before turning back to his victim. Not a moment too soon. Somehow, the man had gotten loose, as Fado daydreamed. The screaming rebel bore down on Fado with a heavy length of wood. 
He was taller and stronger than the torturer, a towering mountain of violent rage. In a flash, Vado unsheathed his sword just in time to parry the blow. Nonetheless, he was thrown backwards. Advance, parry, repost, faint, lunge, recover. His blade hand steadied. The sword tip whistled through the humid air as he pushed the rebel back and back and back. The rebel was outmatched. Advance, parry, repost, faint, lunge, recover. And with a single thrust at the heart, it was over. For a moment, the rebel's screams intensified. Then Fado leveraged the blade back and forth, severing the thick arteries until they ran as free as a fresh mountain spring. But as he worked, Fado was careful to avoid damaging the lungs and throat, as he had been taught to do. Soon the chamber was silent, except for the sound of Fado cleaning his blade. Once finished, Fado produced several small gems from his pocket. They were a deep, luscious indigo. He hated to use them. The information they found was of a lower quality, and he had to be careful to use each one only once. When a gem was used, a man became like a broken dam, spilling all their secrets haphazardly, leaving Fado to sift through the wreckage in search of useful intelligence. As much as he hated to use the gems, this was a special case. The man had refused to crack, at least not in the way he wanted. But as Fado approached the body, he noticed something he hadn't before. The rebel's hair dark with perfect curls. All at once, images flooded in. Fado eating with friends he didn't recognize. Spring mornings spent hand in hand with an unknown woman. Laughter and love. A child with Fado's eyes. Cities he had never visited. Impossible things. Impossible and yet so real. When Fado's hands stopped shaking, he picked up his hand drill. He carefully made a deep hole right above the rebel's ear. The expressions worn by both driller and drilly remained as impassive as any carcass in any butcher's window. Once he was through the skull, Fado inserted the indigo gem and pressed it down with his thumb, muttering ancient words as he had been taught by the Hierophant. The body shuddered. The rebel's face relaxed, and the jaw, forgetting its rigor mortis, swung open. Fado took his seat and dipped his feather quill in the inkwell, only just in time to begin transcribing as the river of secrets spilled forth in a single breathless sentence. Fado prepared a second scroll. It would be a long evening. The next morning was brutally hot, and yet... Once again, the dreams, or were they memories, had led Fado to the open market square. A sea of anxious, sweaty faces parted around his hulking frame, like a school of fish darting away from the lazy path of a shark. But they had nothing to fear. Fado had already eaten his fill today, with more to come in the evening. Fado allowed his feet to lead him. His mind was clouded over. Vague half-images of strange people and places troubled him. Had been troubling him for weeks. As he ruminated, 
His meat-hook fingers fiddled with the long, rope-like tether of flesh that snaked out from his thigh. He absent-mindedly traced the chain, for the tether was called the chain, from where it began just below his hip, emerging from a navel-like hole, to where it ended, firmly attached just above the violet crystal in the hilt of his sword. The blade and the chain worn by all of the Empire's holy searchers as proof of their fealty and subservience. As his fingers reached the chain's end, he seemed to come out of his reverie. His feet had led him to stand outside a cafe, just off the main market. It was an unassuming place made from lumpy adobe and filled with roughly hewn and poorly varnished furniture. Fado took a seat near the door, his back carefully positioned against the wall. The Empire had this populace well in hand, but some desperate idiot might still be foolish enough to attack a holy searcher. A woman came to wait on him. She was about Fado's age, but with skin tanned by the sun, so unlike Fado's sallow complexion. Her ruby eyes shone as they flicked from Fado's face to the Empire insignia on his armor, before finally resting on his blade and chain. She handed him some water, and where her fingers touched the goblet, Fado could smell sugar and nutmeg. Fado ordered coffee with bread. Of course, sir, she said. Then, after a moment's hesitation, she leaned in close and added in a whisper, Next time you come, please don't wear your armor. It scares my customers. Fado didn't react to this, but his eyes never left her forehead, where a dark, perfect curl had escaped her kerchief. His heart sat in his throat. All at once he realized that he'd never felt this attraction before. No, not since... But as he reached for that memory, he found only fog and a dull ache at the top of his skull. Nonetheless, this woman, a mere café owner, had unlocked something in him. If only he knew what it was. Fado stared after her, but he was so lost in his reverie that he didn't notice the way her eyes darkened as soon as she turned away, or how her hands shook as she poured the coffee. He only had eyes for the curl. The Silent Tower was the tallest building in this part of the city, tall enough that it could be seen from the market, but still low enough that shrieks could be heard by those who were meant to hear them. The Purple Angel demanded that punishment be broadcast. Secretive dungeons were for weaker rulers who were scared of their underclass. The Empire was not. Citizens feared this place, the tower in the heart of their neighborhood. Passers-by gritted their teeth and shuffled along the cobblestones with performative purpose, trying not to hear what had been made impossible to ignore. Passers-by did not openly stare when Fado left the tower, but it was acknowledged in the tightening of fists and an increased concentration on shoes, buildings, signs, anything that wasn't him. If Fado was aware of the effect he had, he did not show it. His broad strides carried him away from the silent tower, his blade jangling merrily in the now quiet street. 
But no matter how fast he walked, uneasy thoughts dogged him at every turn. Something was brewing in Fado's mind. Let's call it a theory. The gems, the unknown memories, the Empire, and Fado himself. There was a connection that dangled just out of reach, like a perfect black curl. When he arrived at the Avery, one of its blind thralls reached into the teeming cages and came away with a black feathered pigeon clutched in the burnt claw of his hand. The bird had creamy, mauve-colored eyes and lay completely limp in his hands as he bound his sealed report around its neck with purple cord. The moment the last knot was tied, the pigeon stiffened, leapt up, and flew away, homing to the seat of the Empire. Fado entered the low stone building next door. It was once a fearsome rebel fortress, but now served as the main holy searcher outpost in this city. On his way to his chambers, another memory bubbled to the surface and caused him to stop for a moment outside the Hierophant's chambers. The Hierophant had no other name. He had given it up when he bonded himself with the Empire. His body had been perfected by that bond. He was strong and ruthless. Like all searchers, Fado had heard the legend of how the Hierophant had plucked off the head of a heathen king and crushed it like a ripe tomato. His mind was as sharp and penetrating as the blade on Fado's hip, and when the Empire first came to these shores, the Hierophant had personally led the searchers through the streets, knowing exactly which doors to break down and which rebels to execute. He could mimic any voice, and Fado often heard him holding long, intense conversations with himself late at night. Nobody knew his real age, but they were certain he was far older than he looked. Yes, the purple angel had blessed him most generously. The only fault one could find with the Hierophant was the jagged stalactite of amethyst crystal that jutted out from his empty right eye socket before curling down to colonize his cheekbone. In Fado's new, fractured memory, the Hierophant stood over him. His blade was drawn and pointed at Fado's neck. But Fado could not move. This was, of course, impossible. Fado had always served the Hierophant well. They had never crossed swords nor purposes. And, as if to permanently vanquish the thought, today the Hierophant was in his usual position, doing his usual work, sitting behind his massive wooden desk, poring over reports from other holy searchers. The very picture of normalcy. He raised his one good eye to Fado. Yes, Fado, he hissed and Fado saw a rivulet of thick purple fluid leaking from where the crystal entered the Hierophant's skull. Fado merely nodded and moved on, but the Hierophant's cyclops gaze followed close behind. Nobody saw as the Hierophant made a small note to himself in his ledger. Fado lay down in his quarters, but his mind wouldn't rest, it kept repeating the same ridiculous thought, like a minor bird. If the indigo gems could force people to act against their wills, then perhaps Fado was merely another mauve-eyed pigeon in the Empire's coop. Rip, peel, puncture, wrench, 
boil. Lodoria. Rip. Peel. Puncture. Lodoria. 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 Fado savaged the rebel's body to the rhythm of her name. His hammer said Lodoria. His whip whispered Lodoria. Even the rebel's horrible, bloody, gaping mouth began to scream. Lodoria. And Fado reflected. Every night of the past few weeks, Fado had returned to her cafe. With his armor removed and his blade and chain hidden, as best it could be, he received little attention. That was how, last evening, he had overheard other men calling to her, the dark-haired woman. Lodoria, can you refill my cup? Lodoria, where is the bread? An extra chair, please, Lodoria. Lodoria. Her name. He didn't mean to, but he caught himself staring at her, repeating her name in his head like a mantra as she crushed nutmeg with a large pestle. Of course, she had caught him looking. Suddenly uncomfortable, he had stood to leave, but she was already upon him. What's the matter? Lidoria had asked, a hint of nervousness in her voice. Or was it fear? You haven't ordered anything yet. And Fado realized he didn't know where he was going. So he sat back down. Lidoria returned to her work, but another server brought him some food and drink on the house. A few sweets and coffee later, Fado was expected back at the outpost. As he rose to leave, Lidoria came over. Thank you, Lidoria had said, in what he believed was a warm, inviting voice, not seeing how her fists clenched behind her back. Come back any time. And now here Fado was, unfocused and derelict in his duty, already planning his next foray into the market as the rebel writhed and squealed and pulled against his bonds. Fado reached for an indigo gem, his quill, and his hand drill. This interrogation had gone on long enough. But as he held the gem, he caught sight of his own distorted reflection in the dark purple surface and recoiled, knocking his head against a low shelf. Like a dam bursting, he was suddenly flooded with a series of memories, and now he knew they had to be memories. No dream had ever been so vital, so visceral. And each featured Lodoria. Lodoria in different cities, in different clothing, in different bedrooms. She reached out to him, held him, walked with him, laughed with him. Fado awoke on the floor of the silent tower, his arm tangled in the fleshy chain. How long had he been under the Empire's spell? How many years had they stolen from him? How long had he been kept from Lodoria? No wonder she held herself back from him. She didn't even know if he remembered her. He reeled about the room, grinding the heels of his hands into his eyes until he saw lilac stars. Betrayed. Used. For the first time, Fado saw the Empire as it was, and he hated it. He had to do something. Fado was halfway to the door before he remembered the rebel still tied to the rack. And there was no choice. He couldn't just leave. It would arouse suspicion. 
He once again took up his hand drill. Rip, peel, puncture. Lodoria, Lodoria, Lodoria. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. A night the color of dark wine had spilled across the sky by the time Fado finished his work. Decorum forgotten, he ran to the market, his strides lengthening as the cafe came into view. But when he turned the doorknob, he found that the cafe was inexplicably closed. Fado shuffled around the empty marketplace, his civilian boots scuffling against the moonlit cobblestones. Every door and window was locked up tight. As his frustration mounted, Fado considered kicking down doors until someone could answer him. But a sudden memory held him back, soldiers bursting through the door while he and Lodoria slept. Instead, he went from blank wooden door to blank wooden shutter. Finally, at the spice dealer's storefront, he heard the muffled sound of whispered conversation. Beneath the shutter, a faint candlelight drew him like a moth. Fado pressed his ear against the wood. Moments later, he reeled back. Sedition. Treason. Revenge. It was a planning session for a rebellion, right beneath his very nose. Fado turned, prepared to race back to the outpost and alert the Hierophant. But something stopped him. One of the voices was familiar. He pushed his eye against the crack in the wood. The room inside was sparse, almost bare, but for the small group of dirty-faced rebels who sat on hard wood furniture lacking even the meager comfort of a cushion. At the head of the group stood Lodoria. She held a slate and was carefully marking out a map of the outpost in chalk. Her voice had lost its warmth. Now it was filled with steel and fire. But Fado's attention was drawn to something else. Lodoria had removed her kerchief, and Fado could now see nothing but her dark mane of curls as it cascaded down, 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 until it seemed like they would fill the entire empire. That night, he stood at the crossroads in front of the outpost for hours, sometimes stepping towards the door, sometimes doubling back. But in the end, Fado decided he would say nothing to his superiors or to the other searchers in the barracks. He weighed the decision over and over in his mind, each time becoming more uncertain. His loyalty to the great empire that protected him, fed him, employed him, versus a boyhood crush and a few silly memories. Yet, as ridiculous as it seemed, he could not bring himself to report. In the end, it didn't matter, though. The Empire, the Angel, and especially the Hierophant, they all had eyes everywhere. 
Within days, the Hierophant had marshaled the Holy Searchers, sending them to conduct raids through the entire marketplace. One by one, the ringleaders were rounded up and carted away. Fado tried desperately to look for Lidoria as he chased down her compatriots, but the most he ever saw was the back of her head as she was loaded onto a caged wagon. Fado did his best to get in front of her so she could see that he was there, but she just stared off into the nightshade purple sky behind him, gritting her teeth. Fado knew rebels were kept in the outpost dungeons before questioning. Lidoria would be there. He was sure of it. His plan was simple. Fado would enter the outpost, take the Hierophant hostage, and demand the release of all prisoners. In the ensuing confusion, he would take Lidoria on horseback with the Hierophant as a prisoner. When they reached the edge of the Purple Empire's borders, he would trade the Hierophant to the local ruler for safe passage. It was risky. But as long as there was the possibility of saving Lidoria, Fado knew he would brave all the armies of the Empire. Fado had been a fool. He knew that now. He understood the memories that he'd kept bottled up for so long. It was astonishing that such a vivid life could be hidden at all. Memories of the ocean, of fields of wheat, of an assortment of kind-faced adults, of nameless singers in a choir. An entire life vanished by the purple magic of the Empire. His life. A better life. A life before the Empire's reign of terror. A life with Lidoria. He had done what was asked of him, yes, but only because he knew the costs of disobeying. Now those costs seemed like nothing. Perhaps he had never had anything to truly fight for. These plans and thoughts coursed through Fado's mind as he cleaved his way through rebel prisoners in the silent tower. Rip, peel, puncture, wrench, boil, burn. His tools were a bloody blur. The faster he worked, the sooner he could save her. It was mid-morning, and the court guard outside the outpost was busy with people. They moved like schools of fish from one street to another, flitting around storefronts and merchant carts, poking their heads in and out of windows and doorways. All was movement, except for Fado, who watched the outpost with nervous eyes. The minutes ticked by, with more and more people filling the square as the morning rush reached a confusing, colorful zenith. This was the perfect time. The perfect time to execute and escape. This was his moment. Fado stood. The guards outside the outpost merely nodded as Fado passed by, their faces hidden by brutal caged helmets. Fado nodded back, his hand relaxing on the jeweled pommel of his sword. Inside, the outpost was nearly silent. Fado knew all the searchers had been sent out to handle the fleeing dregs of the insurrection, even the recruits. The clean, empty desks stood in perfect lines, all to the Purple Empire's exacting code. Fado's ears pricked, the sound of boots. Before he could react, the Hierophant entered the room. Fado, he said with mild surprise, shouldn't you be at the raids? Without a word, without even a thought, Fado drew his sword. The Hierophant looked at the blade, 
and the chain that connected it to Fardo's thigh. Then, after a moment, he met Fardo's gaze. I see, he said, and Fardo was shocked by how little anger was in that voice. Let's discuss this in my office. Instinctually, Fardo fell in step behind the Hierophant, but his sword never dropped. Something was off. If he didn't know better, he could have sworn the Hierophant was making fun of him. The Hierophant took a seat behind his desk. He fixed Fado with a one-eyed stare. A smile played at the edge of his mouth. One after the other, he put his feet up on the desk so Fado could see the caked blood on his soles. A wave of nausea roiled through Fado as he turned his back for the briefest moment. Realizing his mistake, Fado whipped back around. But the Hierophant still sat in his chair. Only now he was truly smiling. A deep, twisted grin that split his face like a broken pomegranate. Fado shuddered and locked the door behind him. So, said the Hierophant, you're here for her, aren't you? Fado couldn't hide his surprise. The Hierophant continued. You take me hostage, force me to give you the girl. We all flee to one of those god-awful heathen nations just outside the angel's grasp. How long do you think that'll last, by the way? Two years? Maybe five if you're lucky. Ten if you keep moving and never, ever stop. Fado swallowed hard. Sunlight flashed off the Hierophant's crystalline tumor as he grinned even wider. So that is your plan. He said. Then I have just one question for you, my dear Fardo. When we get to the border, do you plan to free me or kill me? Fardo's hand instinctively relaxed on the hilt. He would free him, of course. They were old friends. And Fardo didn't feel like a killer anymore. Oh, my dear Fardo, said the Hierophant. You always were such a fool. And on that, the Hierophant planted his feet and with infernal strength launched his entire desk at Fado. Fado was quick, but not quick enough. Most of the desk smashed to pieces against the wall, but as Fado rolled, the corner caught his shoulder. Fado felt a painful snap, and when he rose to stand, the arm hung limp. The Hierophant rushed him now, moving far faster than any man could. Fado just barely managed to raise his sword before his commander was upon him. Advance, parry, riposte, faint, lunge, recover. Fado tried to focus on his training, his movements, but the Hierophant merely dodged his precise blows. One moment he was there, the next Fado was slicing air. With each missed strike, the Hierophant drew closer and closer until they were nearly dancing cheek to cheek. And still that bastard kept grinning. Fado retreated back another step towards the door, attempting a wide swipe to keep the Hierophant at bay. If he could escape to the narrow hallway, he might be able to... But before the thought was even formed, Fado felt an amethyst grip on his wrist. The Hierophant's ape-like hand pulled him close, close enough that he could almost taste the purple liquid leaking from his crystal growth, 
and smell the hierophant's breath, which stank of nutmeg and blood. Such a fool, whispered the hierophant, and in one movement he twisted the sword from Fado's hand and used it to stab Fado right in the spot where its fleshy cord entered his thigh. The Hierophant sheathed Fado's blade as Fado fell gracelessly to the floor in a heap. Fado could tell that his ankle had collapsed at the joint, but the injury was eerily painless. In fact, all his pain had vanished. Fado tried to stand again, to continue to fight, but found to his surprise that he could not move at all. The Hierophant twirled Fado's blade expertly around in his fingers. Fado's eyes followed the tip, fearful of where it would be plunged. But the Hierophant merely flipped the blade upside down, inspecting the purple gem that rested in the pommel of the sword. The Hierophant sighed. I really do wish we didn't have to keep doing this, he said. What do you believe this time? Did the Empire steal your memories? Were you brainwashed and forced into slavery? Or perhaps it is I, your closest friend, who enchanted you to do my bidding. Fado tried to move his body. His mind zeroed in on his fingers, stiff as rigor mortis, as he searched for any remaining agency. He still had his dagger attached to the back of his belt. Lodoria. Lodoria. Lidoria. She was here. He must find her. Fado, said the Hierophant. Do you remember why the holy searchers wear these blades? Do you know to what the chain attaches? I don't pretend to understand it all. That's a secret for the magicians and the emperor himself. But I do know some things. Enough to keep this outpost running smoothly. The chain is not a chain. It is an artery, the Hierophant continued. And the blade is not a weapon. This is the weapon. He flipped the sword around to show Fado the purple gem on the pommel. Fado ignored the Hierophant and kept his mind on nothing but the dagger. But the words kept slipping through like a knife between ribs. The dagger... The dagger, the dagger, thought Fado, and for the briefest moment he felt his fingers twitch. The simple truth, my dearest one, is that you are not, Fado. You never were. Fado tried not to listen. It was lies, all of it. A story, while I have your attention. Once upon a time, you, Fado... With the greatest torture in the Empire, your loyalty was unquestioned. So great you were that the Empire offered you a rare gift. Immortality. In exchange, you would give them service. Well, of course you couldn't resist. Bardo's fingers twitched again. He was certain of it. The Hierophant waved the gem in Fado's face. This gem contains all of your accumulated skills with the blade and the rack. Of course, occasionally a strong memory will become trapped in there too, 
I seem to recall you having a weakness for dark-haired women, said the Hierophant. Your wife, your real wife, was the spitting image of that harlot in the cafe. But she's been dead for nearly a thousand years. Do you remember leaving her behind, Valdo? You were happy to do it. The words drilled into Fado's mind. Had he chosen this? Had he truly volunteered? Or was this another of the Hierophant's lies? Every so often you'll bite the hand that feeds. But I'm always forgiving. I've watched you betray us again and again for ten centuries. And I'll do it for ten more. A small price to pay for a virtuoso like yourself. Fado's ears filled with a roaring sound. He could not hear this. It was a trick. It had to be. But that's enough. You are the torturer, not I. Fado, my sweet beloved, I shall see you soon. And with a single movement, he wrenched the gem free from the sword. Fado, the gem now disconnected from his chain was plunged into a silent darkness. The Hierophant turned the gem over in his hands, marveling once again at how such a small, delicate thing could hold so many lifetimes of experience. One of the Hierophant's finest soldiers, and he fit in the palm of his hand. An acceptable vessel would have to be found soon. But until then, the Hierophant placed the gem on his shelf, he had other matters to attend to. And within the dark, empty void of the gem, the man who had never been Fado still struggled to hold himself together. Ladoria, Ladoria, Ladoria. Rip, Ladoria, Ladoria. Wrench, Ladoria. Burn. Rip. Peel, puncture, wrench, boil, burn. The bright morning sun gleamed in through the window, passing through the gem to cast a vibrant purple shadow which glimmered and danced across the Hierophant's desk, almost as if it were alive. This week's episode, The Chain, The Blade, was written by Jacob Duarte Spiel and performed by Anthony Botello. The Wrong Station is made possible with the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. Thank you to Iowa Nice, V, Amelia Brownstein, Matthew Price, and Michael Tourville for helping us keep the lights, well, off. You can also support us by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to The Wrong Station. The Wrong Station is co-produced by Alexander Saxton, Anthony Botello, and Jacob Duarte Spiel, with music composed and performed on the piano by Elan Citrin, and arranged for the viola and performed by Viola Schmidt. You can follow The Wrong Station on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and email us at therongstation at gmail.com. And until next time, Thank you for listening.